0: Uncommon Sense with Leland Conway on
2: 630 KHOW, Denver's talk station. Like the fuse and run now, brother, cause you ain't got a lot of time. Don't you act surprised when it all goes to hell on your dime. The will rain, and the flames will die. Steve, what's the number? 199,000,
0: another big miss here. Uh, November revised up to just 249 from 210,000. Private sector jobs were 211, so it looks like we might have lost some government jobs there. CNBC reporting right there. And as you heard, another dismal jobs report under the Biden administration and their economy. They own it at this point. There's no disputing that. And we're going to get into a few of the factors as to why that's happening. Ryan Schuling once again, filling in for Leland Conway on this Friday, January 7th, inviting you to join us. You can do it by phone, 303-713-8255. Kelly standing by to take those calls. One more time, the number, 303-713-8255. You can also text the show, 57739, on your cellular mobile phone. Start it with Leland. L-E-L-A-N-D, that's the name of the show, Uncommon Sense with Leland Conway. If there's one thing I am, it's uncommon. You can put Ryan in there, too. But started off Leland for his show, L-E-L-A-N-D. He will be back on Monday, and we're looking forward to that. But again, the tweet from John Roberts, not the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, but the reporter and anchor for Fox News, uh, sending out the message that the jobs report just passed for The month of December showed absolutely an atrophy of jobs generated, 199,000 out of 422,000 forecast for December. We're supposed to be entering some kind of economic recovery that Joe Biden keeps talking about. Still waiting on that. Still looking forward to that, if it were to happen. Now, are we rooting against it as Republicans? We want to take back control of both houses of Congress the House and the Senate, and a bad economy, bad jobs would serve that purpose. But I don't know anyone in their right mind out of somebody that's just entirely cynical that would be rooting for the demise of the American economy. But you can predict it. All the warning signs are there. And they're based on faulty Biden administration policies. There's a reason why the economy took the turn that it did for the worst Once Biden was sworn in, once he eliminated a lot of Trump policies, including on domestic drilling of oil and natural gas, that's chief among those. You can pretty much stem to the origin point, the genesis of this, at our limited capacity to generate, produce, and distribute our own energy for purposes of logistics, to transport materials, the cost of gasoline and refining it going up because supply was throttled for no reason other than to appeal and appease uh, to the greenies out there who are clamoring from the far left. And that's the one thing, I don't know that it surprises me the most for Biden. It definitely disappoints me the most. This is a guy who formerly was, quantifiably in his voting record, in this policies that he supported, throughout the 80s and 90s as a United States senator and then as vice president, even to a degree, although he was basically a non-factor relegated to the sidelines, kind of an opening act for Barack Obama. But Joe Biden was once quantifiably a moderate Democrat. I mean, you could say he was liberal on certain policies, but when it came to definitely use of the military, definitely crime, and even to a degree, to a degree on economics, he was not a flaming far-left liberal, but he has totally kowtowed to that portion of his base with regard to economic policy. And that certainly includes domestic energy production, which has now come to a virtual standstill. I mean, you're shutting down permits to drill in ANWR for Keystone. A lot of people, that, uh, that doesn't affect uh, you know, us right away. What it does, it affects speculation, investment. By the class of corporations, oil companies, et cetera, that would have a field day if it were open season to speculate on drilling here or there to cultivate natural gas, fracking, et cetera. But when those permits and lands are shut down for that purpose, we are now forced, like Oliver Twist, to go begging hat in hand, more gruel, sir, from OPEC, from Saudi Arabia. From hostile nations that have no interest in helping us economically, China, Russia. That was another thing. Joe Biden lets the floodgates open for the Russian pipeline to get oil to Germany, where Trump shut that down. He goes, no, no, you're not doing that. But Biden has it backwards. He encourages and allows for Russia to generate all the dirty oil through dirty means that they can. But not for some reason us here in the United States. It's almost to punish us for some reason as a global polluter to get us on the track for the Green New Deal. So you can you can pretty much trace all of our current struggles, inflation, logistical supply and demand, empty shelves, transportation of goods, all of that back to our limited capacity now to generate our own energy. So these job numbers are not surprising. The other half of that, which we'll get into, is the perpetual fear of COVID. There are apparently, their jobs are out there. They're not being filled. Now, some might argue it's because they're not well-paying jobs, but the unemployment rate remains relatively low, meaning the ones that are without jobs either aren't looking anymore. They're not registered as filing for unemployment anymore. Not sure what the exact explanation is for that but certainly there are people out there who still subscribe to the covid fear porn of this pandemic and now the surge in omicron if you look at the map on new york times it's red deep red brick red almost purple everywhere mask mandates or no vaccine passports or no doesn't matter you could be in the free state of florida you could be in upstate new york you could be in manhattan you could be in new jersey you could be in vermont or massachusetts cases are spiking everywhere and now the supreme court is hearing the case on this juxtaposition of biden trying to paint president trump as some kind of tyrant as some kind of threat to american democracy, in their words, when all the while it's been Biden who's been pushing the margins of what he can get away with as commander in chief and as chief executive of the country, as our president, in just making rules and dictates and executive orders to tell us how to live our lives, to mandate that we wear masks, to mandate that we get vaccines. The arbitrary number drawn Of 100 or more employees for businesses that must meet these vaccine mask requirements, I think is enough to get it stricken down by the Supreme Court. You can't just throw a number out there. What's that based on? What's 100 employees based on? What science backs that up? Why not 101? Why not 99? Why 100? It's a nice round number. If that's the reason, that's not a good enough reason. That's arbitrary and capricious which that's one of those legalese definitions of a law that is not just and a requirement that is not just. And there were arguments made in the Supreme Court today along these lines. And what was stunning, shocking, and saddening to me was the reinforcement from all three far-left liberal justices, Kagan, Breyer, Sotomayor, that they have either a very loose grasp of the Constitution and the individual rights and liberties therein described, paired with a complete ignorance of knowledge of science, the vaccine, hospitalizations, spread, Omicron, etc. I mean, I heard these justices, all three of them, make comments that were completely incongruous. And Sotomayor, chief of all, we'll get to her first here. This is a two-part clip. And listen to just the, the arbitrary garbage science numbers she spews out here.
2: Council, those numbers show that Omicron um, is as deadly uh, and causes as much serious disease in the unvaccinated as Delta did.
0: False. Let's stop her right there. That is false. Qualitatively false. Again, even with the skyrocketing cases in COVID. And if you've looked at, again, the New York Times website, I use this because... It does deal strictly with data. It cannot be accused of being biased to the right. If anything, it's biased to the left. They had to draw a new line for 600,000 cases per day. As you look at the rolling seven-day average, and we we had a spike there right around the holidays a year ago in December and January of cases. Again, we're talking cases right now. We had another surge there around August, And now we've had just a a terrific, awe-inspiring spike. If you look at the line, it's almost straight up parallel with the y-axis on the graph here in terms of cases. And yes, that's Omicron. Do I blame Joe Biden for that? No, and therein lies the rub. You can't do anything to really stop this virus. You can make people wear all the masks in the world, all the time in the world, for the rest of our days— And this virus will still exist, it will still permeate, it will still spread, it will still infect. You can be vaccinated, you can get the disease. You can be vaccinated, you can spread the disease. The only caveat to any and all of this is you are statistically more likely to suffer less severe consequences from any variant of COVID if you do get the shots. That's it. That's it. Doesn't mean you won't get it, you will. Doesn't mean you won't spread it, you will. So you can play by the rules all you want. You can tap dance around and and boast out and, you know, shove out your chest and be like, I'm one of the ones that follows the rules. I'm better than you. And you're not. You're not better than anyone. Now, people that are unvaccinated, they assume a certain level of risk. That's true. But again, we'll start over with Sotomayor's comments here because this is, it's either a lie or it's just straight not true. It's not factual.
2: Council, those numbers show that Omicron... Um, is as deadly uh, and causes as much serious disease in the unvaccinated as Delta did.
0: And again, pausing there because cases, yes, they're up 227%. And as we go at the rolling 14-day change, so that allows for hospitalizations and deaths to gradually catch up. But we're more than about a month into this surge with Omicron now. So that's two of these cycles, 14-day cycles, maybe a little bit more than that. And while cases are up 227%, hospitalizations lag, up 65%, and the big number of all deaths are now charted as being up by just 2%. If Omicron were as deadly as Delta, the previous variant, these numbers would be much closer together than 227 cases rising percentage-wise. In two percent of deaths. All right. So, my own mayor continues.
2: The numbers. Look at the hospitalization rates that are going on. We have more affected people in the country today than we had a year ago in January. Um, we have hospitals that are almost at full capacity. We've-
0: and whose fault is that? Hospitals are at full capacity. We've had plenty of time. And there was plenty of criticism for the Trump administration. You weren't prepared. You didn't have enough tests. You didn't have enough hospital beds, even though President Trump sent a ship full of hospital beds that were never used by Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York. He had it stationed, ready to go right outside Manhattan there for overflow cases. It was never used. We've known now for two years what this disease does, that there would be variants, that there would be spikes in cases. That should surprise no one, least of all, Anthony Fauci, Rochelle Walensky, and everybody else in the establishment of the health departments in our government. This should have surprised no one. So who's to blame for that? limited hospital capacity and there is wiggle room to kind of break down that point and disagree with it as well she continues
2: with people is severely ill on ventilators we have over a hundred thousand children which we've never had before in in serious condition and uh many on ventilators no 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 prove that what is your source for that she pulls this number out
0: of thin air hundred thousand children on ventilators nationwide Where is the evidence of that? Show me pictures. Show me graphs. Show me data. Show anything. You can't just speak it out into existence if you're a justice of the Supreme Court and have it be taken as factual on on its face. The fact remains only about 700 children under the age of 18 over the entire pandemic, which is going on two plus years now, have died. Seven hundred out of seventy-three million children in this country. the The notion that there be a hundred thousand children then currently intubated on ventilators, it, it defies logic. It doesn't add up with the math. So I, I dispute pretty much everything Sotomayor said there. But she's not done.
2: So saying it's a different variant just underscores the fact that without the without. Um, some workplace rules uh uh, with respect to vaccines or encouraging vaccines because this is not a vaccine mandate and uh and requiring masking uh, and requiring isolation of people who have tested for covid because none of you have addressed that part of the ets is to say something that should be self-evident to the world but is not which is if you're sick you can't come into work the workplace can't let you into the workplace and you shouldn't go on unmasked um tell me what's irrational about rules of that nature when it is the workplace that puts you into contact with people that will put you at risk because people
0: live their lives and assume individual risks on their own basis they make choices about their health every single day every single day we've done this i tweeted about this earlier you can check it out there in that somehow there are many people in our society that's that they believed that before covid we lived in some kind of zero risk society there was no risk of going out on the highways driving into a car running into a drunk driver there was no risk to certain types of behavioral or diet choices that you might make there was no risk in getting the flu Influenza, which could be very serious for many people. Now we advise, we suggest, we recommend that especially the elderly get flu shots and, and things of that nature. But by no means would we ever require it, mandate it, make it a condition of employment. And that's where Sotomayor's wrong there too. That the issue, the basis of this challenge, is that companies are forcing employees through the, the heavy hand of President Biden and his recommendations and guidelines and requirements for businesses with over 100 employees, is to have vaccine mandates for those employees. And that's neither constitutional, nor is it rational, nor is it sane. If you are sick, if you are vulnerable, if you have comorbidities that make it so that you are afraid for your life going to work then maybe you individually separate from everyone else should stay home or find a different line of work that's on you you don't just make rules blanketed for an entire population of people or an entire workforce based on the weakest links among the chain you cannot do that in american society in a free society We can't make, again, blanket rules in schools for just the sickest among us and kids and so forth of that nature and punish and penalize perfectly healthy kids for whom there's no reason or rationale to have the mask required or vaccinated required. Plenty more on this as we continue in our show. Ryan Schuling filling in for Leland Conway. You can call us 303-713-8255. 18- let's go to the issue of preparing for an endemic what does that look like in the next six months
1: well look i mean we have to take a little bit of peace with the fact that we will we can't really perfectly predict the future here uh you know, I think Omicron was as much as a surprise as Delta. And we can all look back in hindsight and say, well, we should have known, we should have prepared. But, you know, we're at a point where on some days uh, an estimated one to two percent of the public is coming down with COVID in a single day. So there's very little to, to do with that about that.
0: Very little to do about that. And the person you just heard was Andy Slavitt. He was a former Obama advisor regarding things of this nature. We had several outbreaks in the 2000s and during the Obama administration, late 2000s, early 2010s, regard to swine flu, H1N1 variants of other scales that just did not turn into what we've seen worldwide with the COVID pandemic. So Slavitt knows his stuff. I wouldn't uh, claim anything other than that. And he was also an early advisor on COVID to President Joe Biden. Ryan Shuling filling in for Leland Conway. You can call us. 303-713-8255. That's 303-713-8255. Suraj Hashmi was sidelined yesterday, scheduled to join us. We're very pleased to report that he's not suffering from Omicron or his own variant I've dubbed Crown, And he should be able to join us top of the hour about 6 after 3 p.m. Mountain Time. And he'll discuss a lot of the things that went on yesterday with the January 6th narrative, which you turn the page one day on the calendar, and now it's January 7th, and we're all back to talking about COVID again and inflation again and a bad jobs report again. Get to those numbers in just a moment. But I want to continue with Andy Slavitt here because I think it bears mentioning uh, this interview that he did with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. To kind of recap what he just said, 1% to 2%. Of the United States population currently is contracting Omicron and he says there is little we can do about that one to two percent of the population daily contracting Omicron little we can do now don't let that set you into some kind of fit of panic now there are people that are panicking including Sonia Sotomayor Justice of the Supreme Court cases particularly with Omicron, are not the measure. That is not the measure. People are going to get this disease. They're going to spread this disease. They're going to catch it from other people. They're going to give it to other people. The harm is the focus here, and that comes in the form of hospitalizations, death, and long-term consequences, all of which can be mitigated if you so choose to roll the dice, and some view it as that kind of gamble. I don't, on the vaccine in its various forms. Now, it's not a vaccine. I hate using that term because it's not accurate. A vaccine prevents you from contracting a disease and from spreading a disease. It's a firewall. That's a vaccine. Now, a flu shot, which this more resembles, mitigates symptoms to a large degree, and you'll probably get through it. And that's the new kind of vision that we need to have with COVID. And it's not just me saying that. There are high-level advisors to the Biden administration right now. They're saying, look, we have got to pivot off this insane zero-COVID goal or we're going to shut down the virus. That's the stupidest thing he's ever said. Well, I don't know. There, there are a lot of candidates for Joe Biden, stupidest thing he's ever said. That's one of the stupidest things he's ever said. I'm going to shut down the virus, I'm not going to shut down the economy. Well, you're going to do both, actually, because that's what he's done. Those are the results of his actions. He has stifled the economy. He has stifled job growth through these inane, ineffective, delusional mandates. Because vaccine status alone does not exempt you from getting the virus, period. Again, it protects you from getting seriously ill. That's it. You can still get it. You can still spread it. Wearing a mask, and even, I mean, if we're going to go into hazmat suits, I guess we could do that, like the movie Outbreak. That's not rational, though. That's not living your life. People are still going to get this virus, unfortunately. People are still going to get very sick with this virus, unfortunately. People are still going to die from this virus. That's unfortunate. But we can't go around mitigating everything we do in life out of fear. That's the only primary motivator here. It's irrational fear. It's not based in any kind of substantive numbers that you can point to and say, wearing masks prevents spread. No, it does not. Because this virus and the Omicron variant is spiking in places that have the strictest mask mandates on the planet. Whether that's in Australia, and they're insane. Their government's nuts. I I used to view Australia as like, you know, kind of the junior varsity United States in terms of personal freedoms and liberties, but then they came for guns, buyback program, then all of a sudden they get a lot more authoritarian and draconian with their edicts for their people. Hmm, is that a coincidence? I don't believe so. So Andy Slavitt, we're looking at what endemic rather than pandemic means, what it looks like for COVID in the United States and throughout the world. Here's the next clip uh from meet the press and chuck todd
1: but you're absolutely right chuck that the thing we should be thinking about is how do we get back to a steady state and a steady state where where we really have the tools so that COVID is manageable where we have enough rapid tests where we have really good surveillance where we have school protocols where we have um uh the the antivirals that are easily accessible as they as they come online so that you have a simple process take a test get a positive result, get access to a prescription, get an antiviral, all in one sitting. Um, So that a new normal will look like, not like, hey, there's no COVID, but what it'll look like is, hey, we have enough science and enough tools and enough good sense that COVID is no longer a major threat to us.
0: An affordable, available antiviral drug as a therapeutic, that's the way out of this, period. Because whether or not you get COVID, the knowledge that that's there that it would be available, that it would be safe, that it would be effective, and that it would be affordable. Those factors alone mitigate everything else, meaning there's no need to go around with these stupid mask mandates or even requiring people to be vaccinated. If we have this end game way to deal with COVID, there's the preventative which includes vaccines, which also includes a healthy diet, losing weight. It's been proven through scientific studies that the more overweight you are, the more serious COVID is because it feeds into the fat cells, and that fuels the virus itself. So the more weight you lose, the better off you're going to be, and that's true for everything, cancer, heart disease, all the way down the line. I'm trying to cut some pounds myself. Here's hoping, right? But there are the preventative aspects, there are the main, maintaining aspects, eating, eating, living a healthy lifestyle, having a healthy diet, um, you know, and, and standing clear of people that are sick, if you're sick, stay home, that should have been your policy anyway. I used to hate, I was in school, and there was this kid, he's trying to get perfect attendance, and that should never be a goal. I mean, you want to go to school as much as possible, but my mom, bless her heart, like whenever I was sick, you're not going to school, that's it. I go, well, perfect, ah, perfect attendance, you know, screw that, it's not important, Who cares? You're not going to school and infecting everybody else. But this one kid, oh, oh, I feel like crap. Oh, my perfect attendance is intact. But meanwhile, he makes everybody else sick like a jerk. So, I mean, this is just you know, common sense type thing. And then, again, endgame uh, dosage of an antiviral therapeutic drug. I, I think, again, that's the key to this whole thing. Slavit continues with Chuck Dodd.
1: Do you think we'll get to the point where
0: COVID is semi-seasonal? Like we know, geez, it goes south in the the summer, north in the winter. So maybe winter states, you got to wear masks, things like that. Is that what a new normal for the next 18 to months to two years looks like. These idiots that just say, you throw on a mask, you're good. No, you're not. You Absolutely not. There's nothing about a mask and how we wear them and the types of masks we wear. And we take them off to eat. You can't eat with them on. Uh, you, you wear them into the entrance of a restaurant. You sit down, you take it off. It doesn't spread while you're eating. Yes, it, I mean. This, this whole addiction to masks as theater, as psychological props that make us feel better because we look, we see somebody with a mask, oh, whew, we're safe, that person's wearing a mask. Or I'm safe, I'm wearing a mask. Are you? You're really not. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news on that, but masks are crap. They don't mean a damn thing. Here you get into the slavid answer. Deeded months to two years, looks like.
1: I think that's a perfect analogy and a perfect description because when things are more predictable um they they are less scary. You know, I live right. in Los Angeles, and you know you know if there's a bad uh, weather or bad air day here because they publish it or if you've got allergies, and mm-hmm. I think we'll be able to very much do the same thing here, and that's what this surveillance is all about. Whether it's you know wastewater surveillance, uh, whether it's surveillance of variants that we're doing, yeah. those are the kind of tools that allow you to wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm not going to fly to visit my family in Tulsa because Tulsa more dangerous um, than where I am here in Los Angeles. So um, that kind of information will inform us and help us. And I think with a with a regular booster shot in the fall, probably going into winter, particularly for older yeah. people, uh, much like the flu. Um, it'll keep more people safe.
0: And is that part of the new normal? That's what Slavitt's suggesting, that you, everybody that wants to or that's in a high-risk group, you get your booster shot in the fall, just like you might have a flu shot, and that's it. But I don't agree with his whole you know, not flying to Tulsa Think, oh, it's a high COVID environment and I don't want to go. And I don't think a person, average person in good health, regular lifestyle, should have to alter their lives in any ma- meaningful way to navigate around COVID provided that they make the the choices for themselves to best equip themselves to battle the virus. This notion that we're all in this together and it's we got to protect other people. No, look out for yourself. That's it. And I know that sounds, you know, maybe counterintuitive when we're dealing with a pandemic that affects everybody, but if everybody did what was in their own best interest, made the, the decisions for themselves, accepted consequences for themselves, managed their lives for themselves, That's the way we navigate through this. It's time to get through it. We're past the pandemic point. It's endemic. It's here to stay. We have to live with it. Ryan Shuling filling in for Leland Conway, back with plenty more, including, you're going to love this, another moment of Biden on the other side of this timeout. The show must go on. Not just this program. Yeah, we got a little over an hour left. Siraj Hashmi coming up just after the top of the hour, talking about the ridiculousness that was the commemoration. One year after January 6th, he's engaged in his listing activities. He's back to full health, we hope, we anticipate. And he'll be joining us then. Ryan Shuling filling in for Leland Conway. Talking COVID this hour. And again, this fixation that people have on cases and how they should affect way of life, that we should avoid getting COVID. That was the big concern over the first year, is we don't want to get it. You don't want to contract it. We should never have to contract the virus. We should get vaccines, and that'll prevent us from getting it. But that has never been true. That has never been the case. And more and more, those so-called tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorists have turned out to be right. Dr. Malone appearing with Joe Rogan. I, if you haven't done it yet, I know I've kind of recommended this throughout the week, but go on to Spotify and make sure you listen to that entire interview. It goes on for about three hours. That's what I love about the free format of podcasts. No commercial interruptions. Joe Rogan lets his guests talk. That might be my number one pet peeve about show hosts who do interviews. They interrupt their guest. Don't do that. That's rude. You wouldn't interrupt your guest if you were having a conversation at the table at a restaurant or at home, right? No, you make eye contact, you go back and forth, you ask a question, they answer the question, you wait for them to finish, then you start again. Now, there are people out there that are the types that they're just waiting for the other person to stop talking so they can start talking again. That's not a good conversationalist. That's not a good communicator. The good communicators listen and then respond with follow-up questions. And that's what Joe Rogan does so well. And in that interview with Dr. Malone, I mean, it's ear-opening, it's it's eye-opening. Uh, this text you can send them to, five seven seven three nine. Start Stardom Leland, L-E-L-A-N-D. Tim says about uh, Justice Sotomayor, she misses the point that OSHA does not have the authority. And that's kind of the gray area. Tim, you're right, first of all. But secondly... That again, these liberal justices, they want to kind of massage around the margins of constitutionality and what constitutes a crisis and uh, racism is a public health crisis. We heard that announced by Governor Kathy Hochul in New York. You get down into these real nebulous definitions of things. And then that gives Democrats an excuse to do what? Grab more power, control, and influence over your lives. Foster some kind of dependency on government for your safety, for your life, for your existence. Think about that. How drunk with power, particularly Democrats, become because they are believers that government can do good. That government... Is a force for good that duly elected representatives who are accountable to the people, in theory, this is classical liberalism, will do good by their constituents. That's a good faith arrangement. And you know, those of you who are libertarians like me out there are yelling at your radios right now or your phones and going, No, don't trust government. They're not looking out for your best interests. They're looking out for theirs, their survival. How has Dr. Fauci, like a cockroach, survived every possible political holocaust that's gone on since the 1980s, since his own failures with AIDS, in the treatment, the development of vaccines and therapeutic drugs for that disease? Because he's a survivor. He plays the game. He's part of the Washington establishment and machine. He is part of the swamp. He is a swamp creature. And when you look at these people clutching to power—they don't want to let go because it's given them this kind of, you know, total rush and high, and they got to get their fix by controlling other people's lives because it makes them feel better. They're in authority, and then the weakest among us—and I will—it's a harsh term, but I think it's an accurate one. Those that are like, "Oh, I, I don't know if they tell me to do it, I'll do it. If they, you know, I have to wear a mask, then I will." Do not comply. Do not comply. You're surrendering your freedoms to them. Make your own decisions. Kelly herself walked into a Starbucks here locally, and they were barking at her to wear a mask, and she walked out. That's what you've got to do. Do not give your business to these tyrannical organizations like Starbucks that inflict this kind of tyranny on their customers as well as their employees. They'll get the message. They'll get it eventually. Ryan Shuling filling in.